Bible-Leaving with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. We all face problems from time to time, but as believers, how are we supposed to respond to the problems that we encounter? If you can, please turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 32. As John concludes this message, don't wrestle with your problems. When we focus on God, what happens next? Well, when we focus on God, we get closer to God. Here you can imagine Jacob all night, he's wrestling with God. Well, as that wrestling match was going on, he is, you know, by definition, (laughs) he's getting closer to God. Wrestling is one of those sports that you can't do from a distance. You know, there's some sports you can play and not get too close to the other people who are playing that sport with you. If you play golf, you don't have to be too close to the other golfers. If you play tennis, you're a long way off and there's a net that separates you. But when you wrestle with somebody... You are very, very close uh, to that person. I don't know how many of you are fans of wrestling, but I grew up being a fan of, uh, of professional wrestling, and I want to say for the record, I believe it's not fake. I believe that wrestling is real. <laughs> and I know a lot of people think it's fake, but I don't think they would get in the ring with those people that they're calling it to be a fake sport with. But, uh, but in wrestling, what happens? In wrestling... You are right up against the other person. Now, think about this. You've got a problem in your life. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's that you're alone. Maybe it's that you're afraid. Maybe it's that you're depressed. Maybe it's, that you, maybe it's a sin problem. Maybe it's pornography. Or maybe it's gambling. Or maybe it's alcohol. Or maybe it's drugs. Or maybe it's whatever it might be. And you're wrestling with this problem all day long. You, just re- you say, I want to rid myself of this problem. Well, listen to me. The more you wrestle with that problem, the closer that problem is going to get to you. You've got to change your focus from the problem to the God who can deliver you from that problem. And that's what Jacob did. He's wrestling with God. And the longer he wrestles with God and the more intensely he wrestles with God, the closer he gets to God. You see, when you're, whatever your focus is on, that's what you're going to get closer to. My focus is on God. I'm going to get closer to God. If my focus is on my anxiety, I'm going to just become more anxious. And so we have to change our focus so that we can get closer to God. Now watch this. Just continue to build on the logic of this. As we get closer to God, what does God do? God changes us. God changes us. That's what he did in Jacob's case. God changed Jacob. Look again in verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day, until dawn, until the sun came up. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, that is, God saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And God said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. God says to Jacob after an all-night wrestling match, he says, Jacob, you have prevailed against me. Now, we read that. And we think, now, what does this mean? 
Jacob prevailed against God? Is it that God and Jacob are in a wrestling match and Jacob body slams God and the referee comes in and pins him? One, two, three, Jacob beats God. No, friend, nobody beats God. At the end of this wrestling match, God wasn't limping. Jacob was limping. God won the match in that sense. God's the one who put Jacob's hip out of joint. He dislocated his hip. But when God said to Jacob, you have wrestled with God and have prevailed, what was he saying? He was saying, Jacob, I won the wrestling match. You're limping. I'm not. Your hip's out of socket. Mine isn't. I won the match. But Jacob, you have won in another way. You have won in that all night long you have held on to me. And you have refused to let go of me. And you have learned that in your weakness, that's where strength is found. You see, Jacob, as he held on to God in his anxiety, in his fear, and in his aloneness, he held on to God and said, God, I'm not going to let you go until and unless you bless me. And God blessed him, and God changed his name from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel, which means prince with God, one who struggles with God and prevails, again, prevailing in the sense of holding on and pleasing God by not letting go. And so what I'm saying here is when we get closer to God, he changes us on the inside and he makes us into new people the people that he wants us to be. Now, there's one other thing that's interesting to me in this story, and I want you to see it today, and that is after God had changed Jacob from a deceiving, conniving, uh, deceptive cheater, really, into a, a person who would become the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, in verse 29, Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name. He's asking God his name. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen the face of God, Jacob said. I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. The word Peniel just means face of God. And uh, Jacob said, I've seen God's face, and my life is preserved. I, 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 my life is spared. I'm still living. I didn't die after seeing God. Verse 31, just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him. Now it's day, it's daybreak. But look at the last of verse 31. And he limped on his hip. If I were to ask you today, how has God changed your life? How would you answer that question? For those of us who are saved, we would say, well, God's changed my life. God's forgiven my sins. God's given me peace and, and uh, joy in my life. Well, that's, 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 those are the main blessings, and those are the blessings we get early on. But let me ask you this. Since you got saved, some of us here today have been saved 20 and 30 and 40 years. Since you got saved, how has God changed your life? How is God helping you to live your life? I was thinking about my own life as I was preparing this sermon. I thought, now, God, you've changed my life in so many ways. But in, a more, in the most re what is the most recent thing that you have done in my life in a practical way to change me, to change how I look at something? And I, I think this is it. You may hear this and say, well, that's not that big a deal. But to me, it is a very, very big deal. I think all of us know what it feels like to be overwhelmed with responsibilities and circumstances in life. And back in around 2016, I began to feel that. I just began to feel overwhelmed. And I began to feel like, man, I've got so much going on, and I'm, it's just things that used to be easy for me. It's just it's, it's overwhelming to me. And so I try to figure out, well, how can I be less overwhelmed? I even wrote a booklet on it, When My Heart is Overwhelmed. And uh, 
And I'm trying to figure this out, and I did some things. I made some adjustments to my life and schedule, and, and uh, even one day in a doctor's office, doctor said to me, you've got to slow down and do, you've got to figure out how to live your life a little bit differently. And I made some changes, and it helped. But still, on and off, not constantly since 2016, but on and off, I just had this feeling of being overwhelmed. Well, fairly recently... I was praying about that. I thought, God, I'm, I'm getting better on feeling overwhelmed, but I still get that feeling sometime, and it just, it just causes your mind to race, and it just, you know, you just feel the weight of the world on your shoulder when really it isn't there, but you feel like it is. And not too long ago, as I was just thinking about that and praying about that, God just put a thought in my mind. And this thought has lifted a feeling of being overwhelmed that I've been battling on and off for almost six years. And God, here was the thought that God put on, in my mind. Do one thing at a time. Do one thing at a time. You see, the way I had been trying to deal with being overwhelmed was just to do less things. And sometimes we do need to do less things because we may be doing too many things. We may be doing things God doesn't expect us to do. But when God put that on my mind, do one thing at a time. It changed my perspective. I was speaking at a service not too long ago, and when it was about to be my time to speak, I just, I just had this peace, and, this, and I thought, God, I'm not thinking about where I'm going to go after this. I'm not thinking about where I'm speaking at next or what I'm doing. I, my mind is focused in on this moment. I'm here. It's now, and I'm doing one thing at a time. And I'm just saying for me, and that may not resonate with anybody else in the room, or it may if you're struggling with feelings of overwhelm, but for me, doing one thing at a time, living in the moment, trusting God in the moment in which we live. The clock on the wall says it is 10.06 a.m. on Sunday morning. Now, many today, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're not even thinking about 10.06 you're thinking about what you're going to do at 12.30 or 3 o'clock or 6 o'clock tonight or this week or the responsibilities you have or maybe a big doctor's appointment or something going on this week. And here we are on Sunday morning in church at 10.06, sermons being preached, but your mind's not in 10.06. Your mind is what all's coming up this week. Well, I'm telling you, you live with that long enough, you're going to develop some anxiety because you're not living in the moment. Did you know if you study like professional athletes and even actors, the big thing now in Hollywood and in sports is this whole thing about focus and about living in the moment. In fact, much of the meditation that is taking place from these Eastern religions is all in the name of to try to focus and to try to live in the moment and to breathe. And much of yoga and, and meditation, it's all about this trying to empty our minds. And this is what they say, empty your minds of everything that could be a distraction and focus on the present moment. The difference between Christian meditation and that Eastern non-Christian meditation is that while that type of meditation says empty your mind of everything that could be a distraction, Christian meditation says don't empty your mind, fill your mind with the presence of God with you in this moment. And it is God and His presence with you that will give you peace. And so what we need is to fill our minds that God is with us in this moment, right here and right now, it's a beautiful thing when you can get to a place in your life where you can enjoy 1006, 
You can enjoy 1007. You can enjoy 1008. You're in the moment. And you're not in the moment because you emptied your mind out of all the things that were bothering you. You're in the moment because you filled your mind with the presence of God. And you're taking what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't worry about tomorrow. You see, in that same spirit, we could say it this way. Don't worry about this afternoon. Don't worry about tonight. Don't worry about lunch. Don't worry about anything. Just in this moment, trust Jesus. And I'm telling you that it's the most recent thing that God has done for me that has changed my life. I'm not thinking about the next service or the next sermon. I'm thinking about the moment that I'm living in. Now, one of the ways that we know that God has touched us, just like God touched Jacob's hip and put it out of the socket. One of the ways that we know that God has changed us is that we limp instead of strut. You know, when God has touched us, the strutting stops and the limping begins. When I first began preaching many years ago, I heard a story that has stuck with me for all these years. It was about a young preacher. And young preachers and I've been one, are bad to strut. And the story was about a young preacher one Sunday who was preaching, and he was excited about his sermon and so on, and he, he kind of strutted up off ground level up onto the platform, and he strutted up to the pulpit, and he strutted behind the pulpit, and he opened his Bible, and for the next 30 minutes he strutted, and he just fell flat on his face. It was one of the worst sermons anybody ever heard. When he got finished, he was ashamed, and he was embarrassed, and he closed his Bible, and he put his hands in his pocket, and he walked off the platform, and he walked down the steps, and he went back to the front row where he had been sitting. And An old deacon in that church was watching this whole thing. He had watched him strut up there, and he had watched him fall on his face, and he had watched him humbly walk off the platform. And that deacon wanted to encourage that young man, but he also wanted to say something that might help him going forward. So after the service, he walked over to that young preacher whom he loved and put his arm around him and he said, Preacher, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but I want to say it honestly. He said, if you would have walked up on that platform with the same humility that you walked down off that platform, it would have been a lot better sermon. (laughs) And I never have. You see, when God has touched us, Think about this in Jacob's life. For the rest of Jacob's life, he walked with a limp. Every step he took was a reminder to him that God had touched him and that God had changed his life. Now, as I was getting ready, I was this sermon, I I can't get it out of my mind. I'm, I'm glad it's finally time to preach it because all morning I've been thinking about what Jacob must have been feeling and what this must have been like. Every step Jacob took, he was reminded that God had touched him. Let me say it this way. God had touched Jacob in such a way that it was obvious to Jacob and it was obvious to everybody else that he had been touched by God. I'm just thinking about that all week, last night, this morning, that God, you touched Jacob, and now he's not strutting. Now he's limping, and that limp is a sign of two things, dependence and humility. 
Dependence on his staff because now he's walking with his staff. Where beforehand he had that staff just in case an animal came up. He could knock that animal out of his way. But now that staff is like a cane. And that staff is helping Jacob walk. Dependence and humility. One of the ways that we know God has touched us is that we have stopped strutting and we have started limping. When God touches us, now think about this. It's obvious to us and it's obvious to others that we've been touched by God. There's a softness. There's a gentleness. There's a, there's a humility. There's a dependence on God. You know, the, this morning as I just was mulling this sermon over one last time, just, get, just getting my own mind ready to, to preach this sermon, a song came to my mind. It's an old song. I think Bill Gaither wrote this song. He touched me. One of the greatest songs ever been written. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Notice in that song, Bill Gaither said, he touched me. And as a result of him touching me, there's joy in my life. I read on Friday morning in my Bible reading, one of the verses I read was in Psalm 4 in verse 7. And David said to God, he said, you have put gladness in my heart. And I read that verse and I said, me too, God. <laughs> me too. You put gladness in my heart. You have touched me. You have given me peace. And you have taught me to depend on you and to trust fully in you. And God, as a result of trusting in you, there can be no strutting by me. It is limping. It is dependence. It is humility. It is total reliance upon the fact that you have touched me. And I'm trusting in you. And I'm not trusting in me. And that's what David was saying. You put gladness in my heart. And that's what Gaither was saying. He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. I'm asking you today. Has God touched you in such a way that it is obvious to you and that it is obvious to others that something has happened in your life? You know, in just a moment, I'm going to do what we always do. I'm going to give you a chance to get saved if you've never been saved. You, you, some, see, some of you today need a saving touch. You need to be saved. But before we do that, how about those of us who've already been saved? This is what God put on my heart this morning. I just felt like God said, John, say this, park the sermon right here, and give people a chance to respond. The Christians in the room a chance to respond. Some of you today need a healing touch from God. Your body is sick, and you need a healing touch. Does God heal every disease on earth? No. Many diseases are healed in heaven. Does God heal diseases on earth? Yes, many times he does. We have to trust him for when he does it here and when he does it there. But God is a healer. Some of you today, you need a delivering touch. Maybe there's an alcohol addiction. Maybe there's a pornography addiction. Maybe there's a fear and an anxiety problem. And you need to be delivered from that. In Psalm 34, 4, King David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. David was afraid just like Jacob was afraid. And he sought the Lord and he wrestled with God. And what did God do? God delivered him from all of his fears. Some of you today when I said, hey, Jacob was a man who was afraid and anxious and alone. You're thinking, man, did I pick a good day to come to church because that's me. I'm afraid and I'm anxious and I feel like I'm all alone. Well, 
God can deliver you from that today. Some of you need a touch of peace. Some of you need a touch of wisdom and direction. Some of you, you know what you need? You just need a fresh touch from God. Your problem is not primarily sinfulness. Your problem is staleness. And you just need a fresh touch from God. You know, in the Old Testament, King David got anointed three times with oil before he became king. Before he became king of Israel, he had three anointings. He had a fresh anointing for everything God had called him to do. And sometimes in all of our lives, we just say, God, it's not primarily sin, but it is staleness. And God, I need a fresh touch. I need a freshness in my life. And so today, Christian friend, if you need a touch of healing, deliverance, peace, wisdom, or freshness, before we even give those who are not saved a chance to stand up and get saved, if you today would say in your heart, I need a touch, a fresh touch from God of some kind. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. This is what I felt like God told me to say. So this invitation is from God because I can't give you that fresh touch, but he can. And I felt like God said to me before I left my house today, John, give my people a chance to wrestle with me and to call out for a fresh touch from heaven. I want to pray over you. Father, these are your people who love you, God, with all their hearts. And yet, Lord, in this world that we live in, sometimes we need a fresh touch. And God, I pray today for that person who needs a touch of healing in his or her body that you would heal them today. I pray that cancer cells would die. I pray that diseases would go away. God, for those today who need an emotional touch, God, maybe they're just like Jacob, afraid and anxious, and they feel all alone. God, I pray today for a fresh touch. I pray, God, that, that you would lift that burden. God, for those here today who kind of like I struggle with being overwhelmed, I pray today that you would help them to know they don't have to do everything at the same time, and they don't have to do 15 things before they go to bed tonight. God, one thing at a time. God, I just pray just like that phrase resonated and really changed me. I pray that that would resonate in them one thing at a time as they go from here today. It's Sunday school. It's lunch. It's this after. It's, one, it's living in the moment by trusting you for one thing at a time. God, today for those who need a touch of peace, give them peace. Wisdom, give them wisdom. Freshness. God, we all need a fresh touch lest we become stale. I pray you'll give them a fresh touch from heaven today. God, I pray that our lives, that our demeanors, that our, that, our, that our attitudes, that our personalities would be as fresh as the morning dew. Just as your mercies are new every morning, God, I pray that your touch upon our lives would be new with each and every morning. And this is our prayer, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Now with our heads bowed and eyes closed today, some of you need a saving touch. You can't sing what Bill Gaither wrote. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. You can't sing that yet because you've not been touched by God. You've never been saved. You can be saved right now if you'll confess your sins 
Ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to help you change. And then trust Him to do it. Would you pray? If you want to be saved today, would you pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. And make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. Give me a saving touch, Jesus. And give it to me now. Amen. If you just prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we are so happy for you. Please let us know about your new life in Christ by sending us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org so we can rejoice with you. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.